We'll start with verse 13. James chapter 4, verse 13. Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? A question that everyone needs to ask and answer, consider. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So these parallel verses certainly capture the thoughts these days. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts into wisdom and our life is like a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. You notice the title of the message today is Heaven is Knocking on Buffalo's Door. I couldn't help but think about the Lord seeking to reach Buffalo in the last few months. Obviously, the shock on Monday Night Football this last week um, triggered many of these kinds of thoughts. But remember, back in May, there was a massacre in Buffalo. There were two major blizzards in November and December in Buffalo. And now January's collapse of DeMar Hamlin in the first quarter in, in Cincinnati last Monday, again, is, may I say, another knock on Buffalo's door. What is the meaning? What should be the meaning and should be the application of these providences, whether they be massacres, blizzards, or collapses of very um, healthy and fit people. Mr. Hamlin is only 24 years old. Is there meaning? And I'd like just to give some thoughts on this particular shock to all of us last Monday on national TV. And it didn't just affect the nation, really affected many people beyond the nation. The very first thought should be that we should be praying for this player, for his recovery, but especially if he's not a believer, if he's not born again, we should be praying for his salvation, that God would use this in his life, that he would not simply recover and go back to business and forget his spiritual um, existence. We're told in Acts chapter 9, the, the record of a fall of a man named Saul. He was religious, but he was lost. And God used uh, a providence. Now, in his case, he didn't collapse because of a, a cardiac arrest or a heart attack. The Lord struck him from heaven with blindness. And the Bible says that he fell, and perhaps he was on a horse, and he fell, and while he was on the ground, the Lord spoke to him and said, you're 
kicking against the pricks, Saul. You're, you're persecuting me as you persecute believers. He was on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians and bring them to justice, which was often execution. But God used this to awaken him. And, you know, whenever there's a calamity, the Bible says God is behind it all at the end of the day. God is in control of every single moment of our life. Our heartbeat is in his hands. Illness, accident, cardiac arrest, massacre, all of this. We can't just say, oh, it's of the devil. Because the devil's on a long leash. And the, the devil, if it is of the devil, whatever it might be, it's, it's allowed by God in his own purpose. God also used the, uh, the shocking um, earthquake in Philippi, recorded in Acts chapter 16, to humble the jailer. And God used that striking incident, uh, waking him up and scaring him that he had lost his, his uh, inmates, and to lose your inmates meant that you lost your life back in those days. If you were a, a uh, correction officer, a, a jailer, and he was about to slay himself, and this Paul, the Saul who had been saved, uh, pleaded with him not to commit suicide, that God had used this incident not only to shock the Philippian jailer, but to shock the inmates so that they didn't escape, even though their, their uh, jail doors were, were uh, knocked open. And God used this, and you'll see this in Acts chapter 16, for the salvation of that, not only the jailer, but his family. So we, we should be praying for Mr. Hamlin. What a blessing it is that he's making such recovery. I, I read or heard that he had actually gotten on FaceTime to speak to his teammates. And he has been speaking and, and not only writing notes, but he's actually now talking. And we're grateful for that. We should be. We should be should continue to pray for him. But in particular, we should be praying for his salvation. I don't know the man. I don't know. I, don't, I have not read anything yet from him or others that he is. I'm not talking about just being religious, but a man who needs to be who's born again. Religious people don't always go to heaven. There are religious people that have gone to hell. Um, Judas was religious. But he needs to be more than religious if he's not a believer, if he's not born again, he needs to be saved. And that should be our burden. This man is thinking, well, God spared my life. And I need now to seek the Lord to see whether I really know him. That should be going on in this man's heart and mind, as well as his teammates and all of us that have been affected by this. The second thought is that eternity is one heartbeat away. That's all it is. Eternity is one hit. This was one hit, that, as far as we can tell, that stopped his heart. At the right moment, apparently, he hit this receiver, and it caused his heart to stop. But it's just one hit. could be an accident. It's one accident, one sickness, one blizzard, one bullet. That's all it takes. And you and I are living in a dangerous world. Who knows who's walking past you in the store? Who knows who's driving towards you on the highway? Who knows uh, what's out there? We know that the Bible, the Bible teaches us there's a, a wicked being who's no longer 
a young serpent. He's an old serpent. He's had 6,000 years of experience tempting and destroying. But the Bible says to be sober, to be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walks about seeking someone to devour. But this man collapsed so unexpectedly. And we have that in the Bible. The Bible is the answer. And most cases that we see out, out in society of shocks and dangerous situations, we find illustrations in the Bible. In, in the case of, of Ananias and Sapphira, we find this in Acts chapter 5. Now in their case, their heart attack, we assume, happened because of their sin. But the, the man is standing before Peter in full health, and Peter convicts him of his lies and holding back uh, what he had said that he had given when he sold his land. He made believe, he, he uh, made people believe that he sold his land and gave everything. He had the right to keep back part of it, but he said, I've given all of the proceeds. And he lied not only to the people, he lied to God. And Peter said, you're done. And he drops right there, just like Mr. Hamlin did. He just probably just fell over backwards and fell on the ground. And just a few hours later, his wife comes, and she was privy to what had happened. And Peter said, did you sell the land for such? If she had told the truth and said, no, we lied. We only sold part of it, but we wanted to, we wanted to show people that we were really generous. Well, you would have been really generous if you showed, sold part of it. You didn't have to. Well, that didn't take place. She told a lie, and she dropped right like that. You'll find that in Acts chapter 5. You also find it in the Old Testament, 2 Samuel 6. David, and, and this is the interesting parallel, David had just come back from victory, and so there was a lot of fanfare. There was a lot of noise and cheering and shouting, and they're in a parade going to the city, and and they're rejoicing, but there was a man named Uzzah as they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant in a, on, on a cart, and they shouldn't have. They should have carried it on shoulders, but the Ark started to wobble because they were probably on uneven ground, and it was about to tip over, and he touched the Ark. He shouldn't have done that. You're not supposed to touch it. There's, just, there's, a, there's a lot of lessons to be learned here. But God struck him right there. He collapsed on the spot. And their cheering and their, and their jubilation halted in a second. <clears throat> King Herod, we're told, was being um, worshipped, idolized. And God struck him with worms in his intestines and he died. So we're being taught by this incident last week. And even in the blizzard, over 40 people died in western New York. And um, in the massacre of 10 innocent people back in May, and many other incidences that were just a heartbeat away, a sickness away. And you and I need, indeed, to wake up every morning and say, thank you, Lord, and help me to live for you today. And people that are lost, we just... We just uh, sang that song, Out of Christ, Without a Savior. And the last part of it says, Dear Savior, does anybody dare to die if they're not ready? And years ago, 
<clears throat> we had just sung, we, we sang this, that hymn, 303, Out of Christ, Without a Savior. There was a woman seated right over here. It was a Sunday morning. And we sang this, that hymn at the end of the service. And we talked to her. She wasn't a believer. She was a relative of someone that was attending the church. And she went her way with her boyfriend. And, and we lived, had a service in the evening. And I got a call about 10 o'clock at night that said that she had walked into the Niagara River and committed suicide. Just one suicide away comes home to us. It's happened in our lives. It's happened to our church. That was a, that was a very depressing moment. I, I, if ever I thought of quitting the ministry, I thought of quitting that day. Because I thought, is that, is that the result of my preaching? Did I send someone into eternity? And it's very difficult. The family did not blame the church for preaching the sermon that that caused someone to go into eternity, but it's real. It's real. And Judas Iscariot went out and committed suicide, and Jesus administered him so lovingly, so kindly. And we understand that, that God is knocking on our door when we see people collapse like this and, and see people passing away, that I could be next. I could be next. There may be a different person behind this pulpit next week. None of us can, can be assured of another moment. Let us remember that our life is like a vapor. I can remember vapors from, from uh, tea kettles. Believe it, I'm, 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 I'm old enough to remember those. My grandmother used to always have her tea kettle. She always poured herself tea all day long. Many times I came into her house and I could sense the, the uh, steam in the room, but I could also often hear the, the high-pitched whistle, very annoying. Uh, and I had to turn off or turn down the, uh, the heat. She was way in the back room and usually couldn't hear it, and it was just sounding forever. But you could see the, the vapor, couldn't you? Some of you remember that. You could see it in the air, and before you knew it, it was gone. It dissipated. And the Bible compares our life to that kind of a, a vapor. And you know, we, we need to take it to heart. The 24-year-old can collapse. How much more can 62-year-olds? But even 4-year-olds. We have a little granddaughter that has been sick. Four years old soon, but there are, there are um, floors at the cancer center for children. If you ever want to be humbled and blessed and moved to prayer and tears, go visit the children's sick ward at Roswell sometime. It's very humbling. May I say it's very helpful for us to consider our ways. The third thought is the Lord can halt a nation's activity, a city's activity, in a moment. And this is a huge thing. I mean, one moment there's a loud stadium roar for a 20-yard game when a man is caught at football. The next moment is absolute silence. I didn't know that this had taken place. I 
Monday night was the, the night before I had to resume driving the bus and I need my rest. And so I had no idea. All I knew was before I went to bed, Tanya just kept checking the score to see when her son might come home. And, and uh, she, she didn't tell me this, but she kept seeing the score seven to three, seven to three, seven to three. She checked every hour. And even past 11 o'clock, it's still seven to three. And they weren't saying what was happening. And I didn't discover it until uh, eight o'clock in the morning that this shock halted the, the, the game and, and uh, silenced the crowd and shocked the nation and beyond. And we're reminded that God is the governor of the nations, that God can halt people's attention and get the attention to himself. God is jealous. May I say that this is an application to what happened Monday night. It's time to think about the Lord. It's time to think about our souls. It's time to see that, and we've seen that many of the players have said, life is more important than a game. Deion Dawkins, who's a Bills tackle, said, it silenced an entire stadium that was in an uproar a half a play earlier. That was what, what really made an impact on him, to hear the roar of the Cincinnati crowd, and then it was absolute silence because of something, may I say, God did. God wants the attention of people. People have forgotten God. The Bible says that there, there are people that think there is no God, and they only give God token gestures and even believers, Jeremiah said, Lord, I have forgotten thee days without number. And God is jealous for our attention, for our worship, for our love. He loves us with an everlasting love. He gave us our existence, and we give him piddles of our time. Or no time at all. But the Lord was able to capture the attention of a nation in a moment. And what was on the minds of many people. May I, could, I, could I conclude correctly on the majority of people? It's time to pray. It's time to pray. Now, we would hope that they meant pray to God, but often people think of prayer as a rabbit's foot. It's time to pray. Well, who are you praying to? What are you praying? And we often think of prayer as just a superstitious rabbit's foot for people. And that's the burden of my heart, that people will seek the Lord in prayer. And Christ is the mediator. There's, it's, you know, it's forbidden for us to pray to God without Christ as our mediator. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the Lord. No man goeth to the Father but through me. He says it's illegal for you to bypass Jesus to the Father because he's the, the bridge. But the Lord can halt a nation's activity. He can halt a world's activity. The Bible says that Noah built an ark for a hundred years. And note, you can, you, can almost, you can almost picture the scenario. Many of the patriarchs before him were helping him, the ones that were still alive in his life, and then they died before the, the, the flood came. But then there are, a lot of there are a lot of nice people that are lost that will help you build your house or help you do something. And you can almost imagine lost people helping Moses, Moses, 
helping Noah build this ark. Well, Moses put an ark. And, you know, Noah, aren't you crazy? There's no water around here. And why so big? Really? You really think this is going to happen? And he probably had a lot of well-intentioned people saying, you know, think twice about this. Why don't you make this a, a, a recreation place? Or, you know, make this an apartment complex. Forget this boat and, and flood. And I wonder, you imagine as, as the door is about to close, that there's still some nice people out there and Noah's saying, please, come in, it's going to happen. You know, Noah, I'm going to be the laughing stock of my family and of the city like you've been, Noah. No, it's not going to happen. And then the Bible says the Lord shut the door. And the Bible says that while this was happening, many were marrying, giving in marriage, eating and drinking, normal activities. Doesn't even mention many were stealing and lying. Doesn't even mention the bad things. That was happening too. But just the normal activities of nice people. And yet, the Lord halted it in a moment. As the skies began to darken, as the rumbling took place, and the, and the crevices in the earth began to open up, and the rains began to fall, believe me, the music stopped in the wedding. The restaurants started, to, you know, the people started to, to run, maybe toward the ark, but certainly to high places. God can cause a world to come to a halt in a moment. He's, he's, caused, for, he's caused in our lives a moment of silence. And let's take advantage of it. Fourthly, there's an overemphasis on sports and many other activities, whatever they may be, to a fever pitch and even to an idolatrous level. Entertainment, recreation, work, it could be anything. It's, it's as if these, these men have been so enlarged, even by the way they dress and, and the size that the, that the shoulder pads and all the pads present, they've become larger than life. And again, I quote Dion Dawkins, most people just treat us as athletes, as superstars, and some people like celebrities. At the end of the day, we are people with feelings, emotions, we cry, we hurt, we have families that hurt and cry. He's admitting that many people idolize us, and that is certainly the case that that they become larger than life when they're just sinners saved by grace. And this is, we overemphasize things. I've, heard, I've seen this on Facebook often this last week. People are humbling themselves to admit they're overemphasizing sports. They're overemphasizing shopping, entertainment, recreation. There's nothing wrong with recreation. Nothing wrong with playing sports. But these these. These men have been like gladiators as far as the media and as far as fans are concerned. There's a fever pitch. And you know, the Bible answers what is happening. Men are become, have become lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That there are people right now, instead of going to, to public worship, are at, at uh, tailgate parties outside stadiums. Love, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. 
We need to humble ourselves and recognize what are we overemphasizing in our lives that have become idols to us. The Bible says we're we're to worship the Lord. And do we worship by the time we spend, the effort we make, the thinking, the, the thoughts that we think on so many things in our lives? It could be people, it could be events, it could be things. We're just consumed by things rather than to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. Lovers of money more than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure, lovers of whatever it might be, you fill in the blank, it can become an idol. My next thought, if souls are not awakened to salvation or from backsliding, this alarming providence in Buffalo, yea, in the whole nation, is missed and a golden opportunity and will be accountable to God at the day of judgment. What did the Lord say to Capernaum and to uh, Bethsaida and to Jerusalem that he had done many mighty works there? What did he say to them? He said, woe unto you if the works that I've done in you were done in Tyre and Sidon and Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented. It shall be more tolerable for them at the day of judgment than for you. And I say to Buffalo, I say to the United States of America, if you don't respond to the, to the Lord from these providences, the massacre, the blizzards, the collapse of a 24-year-old man, is this not God knocking on Buffalo's door to get serious? To seek the Lord while he may be found, to call upon him while he is near. When 9-11 took place, I heard a preacher, he's now in, in Greenville, but he was in Philadelphia. He made this report. He said, our church became full and overflowing after 9-11 for two weeks. That's it, two weeks. It's not just about Damar Hamlin being alive and surviving or playing football again. And he is alive and surviving. We're grateful for that. But is Damar preparing for eternity? Is he thinking about his soul? Are we ready to meet the Lord? Are we not ready for eternity? How can I get ready? That we take it seriously. We don't just ask, but we investigate. Why would I merely ask? I need to be ready. And we often, we're hearing a lot of this. Life's more important than, than, than football, than a game. Okay, but investigate. What do you mean life's more important? And what about eternity? Because life is only for, as Moses said, 70 or 80 years. But then what? Then what? The Bible teaches that there's an eternity in front of us. There's, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. May we take advantage of this alarming providence. We may not get another one. That's the problem. And I want to say, and there probably could be more points, but returning to normal is not the goal. The goal is a new normal. Seek the Lord while he may be found. 
Jesus, again, pronounced judgment on the cities that did not take advantage of the providences of God. May I say that man has changed God's laws. It's time time to go back to God's laws and God's ways. The sexual revolution. You know what the, 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 the main title of books was years ago? Who am I? Who am I? You know what the new popular title is today? Whatever you want to be. Man's changed God's laws. It's not just, I'm a boy, I was, I was born a boy, but I'm a girl, and vice versa. Now it's right down the line, you want, you, whatever you want to be. So isn't it time for this nation, for the world to say, I have flaunted my ways and my laws before God. I have changed God's laws. Daniel warns about that, that it's anti-Christ to change God's laws. It's time to go back to God's ways and God's laws. But will you permit me, will you, will you hear me out? It used to be that sports wasn't dominated on Sunday. God's law was keep the Sabbath holy, to honor the Lord's day. And the major sports, if you look back 50 years ago, did not play on Sundays. But they've changed God's laws. They said, we will do what we want on Sunday. Now they call the major game Super Bowl Sunday. And just like we Christians are saying, we're not going to go down the road of being a boy if I'm a girl and being X, Y, Z, Q. But Christians are hopping on the bandwagon of going to sports on Sundays. We've let the world change God's laws. And may I say, and I'm just a peon, no doubt, but to the NFL and to the, to the executives in Indianapolis, you need to go back, you need to stop playing on the Sunday. Is that going to save you? No, but it's, it's gonna, you're going back to God's law, and that'll, it's a good start. And even if you just get God's common blessings, the NFL needs to consider its ways. It's interesting that children have have appealed to the NFL to play their Super Bowl on Saturday because they go to school on Monday and they've got thousands of signatures. And that's for little children's reasons. But I plead with the NFL for the sake of your players, for the sake of our nation, we're going to stand before God and you're going to give account one day for deciding years ago to play on Sunday. You're going to give account because it's the Lord's day. It's God's son's day. It annoys God infinitely that his son is not honored the whole day. And now you've got often greed. The money is out of proportion. Violence. Bruce Smith, a a Hall of Famer who played for Buffalo, he said, every game I was involved in 60 car wrecks. They're looking for players that will hit you as hard hard as they can hit you. And you wonder why they have all these mind issues and neurological problems? The lust. Marriage is secondary and not interesting. So many of these men, and not just in sports, are living in fornication, 
and not seeking to get married, follow God's ways. And again, the idolatry, these are, are lifted up as gods in uniforms. And all the while, believers are buying the tickets, buying the uniforms, and desecrating the Lord's day. We need to pray for revival. The Bible says righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. First, let me repent of my sins. and Let us exalt the Lord, who is the God of the universe. I pray that today isn't just back to bashing one another in the stadiums. I think there's going to be a little bit of humility in the players all over the place, certainly afraid that someone else isn't going to collapse. But if nobody collapses today and next week and the next week, I'm afraid it's going back to normal. What we should be going back to is back to God, back to Christ, back to believing, back to loving, back to preparing for eternity. And for us believers to not follow the ways of the world, thank God for Hobby Lobby and Chick-fil-A that they're willing to go against the flow I pray that God helps us to have a backbone, to do what's right, and to pray for others to do the same. God bless his word. Lord Jesus, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are arisen from the dead. This is your day. We bless you. Oh, please, please work a deep work in so many people, Lord. Work in these players. Many of them have no clue of the fourth commandment. They know not what they do. And even the coaches, the staff, even, Lord, in Indianapolis, in the offices of the NFL, have mercy. Oh, that you would awaken. You can do it, Lord, no matter who it is. You caused this nation to come to a halt. Have mercy. Have mercy upon us, upon the church that has become so worldly. Forgive our worldliness, Lord. Pray that we would return to thee. Oh, Holy Spirit, fill us. Bless the living church that we would set an example to the world and not adopt its ways be separated so that people would see that God is holy, that God's ways are right, his laws are good, his gospel is needed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.